Cool. Welcome to Keep Calm and Cyber On. This is our maiden voyage of this podcast, and this podcast is cybersecurity news, tips, and tech broken down for your everyday life. Um, so since this is our first episode, first of all, be, be kind to us. But uh, second, um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of what we aim to do so you know what you're getting out of this podcast. Um, so we, we realize that concerns around cybersecurity and protecting your data are fairly high at this point in your life and in this point in America. But a lot of folks we've talked to are overwhelmed and resigned to not being as secure as they want, um, basically because they don't know where to turn. So we uh, cover cybersecurity topics that are relevant to you, break down the technical aspects of the situations that we cover so you know what's actually going on, um, discuss whether or not you should be worried about it, and we give you practical advice to protect yourself. So we'll do some introductions. First off, my name is Matt Lembright. Uh, I'm an Army veteran, uh, and I help stand up two cyber units, uh, both in the Army, and, um, and I helped out with uh, some of that in the private sector as well. I decided to quit my day job, much to my wife's chagrin, and become the CEO of Enabled, which is a startup that is uh, arming the everyday computer user with the knowledge and tools to protect what they care about. And my co-host is Bob. Bob, you want to give your quick intro? Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Stasio, also an Army veteran. I uh, dabbled in the intelligence world for a little bit before heading over to cyber, worked in uh, government cyber to help stand up Cyber Command and worked in some other agencies. I went into the private sector a few years back and helped work with some financial companies and other large organizations to help stand up different types of programs in their operation centers. Uh, increase their ability to do more advanced operations like threat intelligence and threat hunting. So that's what I'm currently doing now and happy to be here on the podcast. Great. Thank you, Bob. So today is, I should have said this in the beginning, but it is February 1st, 2018. And today we're going to talk about uh, Strava. And for those of you who haven't heard the news on this, Strava is a fitness tracking app that you link with uh, basically a fitness tracking device and it will uh, record certain data for you and keep keep track of your fitness accomplishments, such as how far you run, where you bike. Um, and the great thing is that it tracks it and you don't have to worry about where you go. Um, as you can imagine, as you go on your journeys and it tracks where you go, it keeps a map of that data. Um, the issue with this is that they have a feature that they've created uh, off, off of this called a heat map. What the heat map does is basically aggregates your um, your fitness your fitness mapping your fitness accomplishments, and aggregates them and puts them on the web as a sort of of a of a map of physical activity of both yourself and and folks around you. Well, the problem is that, um, as you may or may not know, uh, U.S. service members, uh, as well as other intelligence officers uh, stationed abroad, use fitness devices and tracking apps to track their progress and to track their training. Except a lot of them didn't turn this off and didn't even know that this was a feature that was coming out. Um, as a result, uh, there was a gentleman named uh, Nathan Russer, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly, who discovered this and realized that it was helping to map some areas of the world where 
generally the the presence of U.S. persons is not something that is broadcast, mainly for their safety. So places like Afghanistan, um, different places in Africa, basically places where uh, U.S. persons um, are under threat of attack each and every day. And so we're going to talk a little bit about um, what Strava is, how it works, the privacy considerations that um, surround not only the people using it, but that concern the company itself. Um, and then um, also what those issues mean for not only the, the service members concerned by this, this recent uh, issue, but also how it applies to your everyday life. Uh, because not all of us are stationed abroad, but this still presents uh, significant risks for those of us who are operating in all different sorts of places, whether it's in a city or in a rural setting. So hopefully that gives you a good setup of what we're going to talk about today. Um, so real quick, um, I'm going to talk quickly about, uh, about Strava um, and kind of explain how it works. So it's a fairly simple concept. Um, lots of us, um, Bob, I think you're a, you're a fitness device wearer, are you not? I do have an Apple watch, but, uh, I could be more fit, but it does, it does record things when occasionally some workouts do occur. Yes. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I don't even have one, so you're already doing better than uh, I am, but yeah, luckily this isn't a fitness podcast, so we're good there. Um, <laughs> But anyways, uh, Bob, what you might or might not do or what you'd be able to do with your iWatch is um, connect that to Strava. So a lot, there's a lot of different programs out there that, that do fitness tracking. But the uniqueness of Strava is that it brands itself as basically a social network for fitness people, for folks that want to share their progress, if that makes sense. And I think, yeah, and I think the other component about it that claims to differentiate itself as a social network for athletes but they wanted to make it some type of an elite type product where if you know if you're running in the middle of the desert or you're you know doing these extreme type workouts and you need the ability to actually track your workouts super accurately using gps and then also merging that with the component of social media i think that's how they're kind of setting themselves apart and and showcasing their kind of differentiator to the market. Yeah, absolutely. And and to kind of tag on that to a couple other features that they offer. Um, again, I don't use the app myself. I've played around with it just a little bit for the purposes of the podcast, but um, they do have a group setting. So I think that's meant for um, if you're going to do a group run with like your local running shop or, you know, a cycling club. Right, yeah you can kind of join that group um, and that's one other feature and then another other uh, significant feature which can be good but also kind of opens up vulnerabilities that we'll talk about a little bit later on is the ability to have folks live track your progress so it's not just a an upload after you're done type situation it's a almost like a live cast of your of your workout which as, you, as the wheels start to turn your brain, you can start to see how that could become an issue for some folks. But it is a good yeah. safety feature. So um, we'll kind of weigh some of the, the benefits and, the, um, and some of the risks involved with that as well. So, um, so Bob, so we've, we've both deployed before. I've been to Iraq once, and I think uh, I know you've been to Iraq at least once, and I think maybe one other deployment. But do you want to talk a little bit about... Um, 
what what uh, essentially situational awareness means and uh, what operational security means when it when it comes to staying safe abroad. Yeah, so I think you know, situational awareness is you know, basically just like it sounds. It's having an awareness or a realization of your of your surroundings and kind of being more alert about a threat. You know, being being educated about threat and understanding that. Uh, you know, wherever you go, you can be, there, there's vulnerabilities and, and you can be attacked, be that in the world of cyberspace or be that in, in the physical world. Um, and the concept of OPSEC or operational security is trying to minimize the amount of data that you publicly release out there uh, in order for the adversary not to find out those vulnerabilities or you know find your location. So for example, in a military operation, knowing where the blue forces are, right, the good guys, uh, knowing their location is, is a huge vulnerability and it's a, something the adversary really wants to have. Uh, so in this case in Strava, what, what has occurred is, you know, this information was publicly out there showing very precise GPS locations of um, what can assumed to be U.S. personnel in these locations. And I think the reason for that, kind of the logical conclusion you can draw from the data are you have these you know, fitness device trackers which are popping up in kind of far-flung reaches of the world, third world countries, or very remote locations uh, that are assumed to be where the military is operating. And you're seeing what you would assume are these military personnel which work out a lot and exercise and they're using these trackers. And that's where those uh, there's dots are popping up, those GPS locations. So anybody who's doing what we call open source analysis or OSINT can discover that and make the logical conclusion that this this track, this heat map is indicative of military personnel at a previously undisclosed or previously secret base. So that what, what was occurring here was essentially uh, bad OPSEC, bad operational security on the part of the military. Uh, or those people because they didn't realize that this device tracker that they thought was being used for a very innocent purpose to track their workouts was actually something you could find online in an open environment and kind of lead to that logical conclusion of their location, which is a very vulnerable thing for military op operations, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and to kind of and to kind of bring it home for some of the folks out there, because I'm sure not everybody listening to this podcast is is in the mean streets of Afghanistan. But um, if you think about, um, and you hear about a lot about this. We just came off Christmas, right? You hear about things like don't leave, you know, don't leave a big box, uh, your big TV screen box outside next to the trash, especially if you're not home or. Um, you know, if you leave the house, try to alternate what lights you turn on and what lights you don't turn on. The idea being that if someone is watching the house, if someone is looking at your house and targeting you to steal things, then you can kind of break up what they call what we're going to get into a little bit later called pattern of life so that they can't necessarily predict when you're going to be home. They can't predict what you have in the house. They basically the your operations kind of relating it back to the military term, are unknown. So it's much harder to predict um, a, a successful outcome if you're a bad guy. Um, and in this case, you know, a little bit about what how this could be so dangerous is that creating a pattern of life, especially a visual one based off of a map, allows if I'm a bad guy and I'm trying to kill as many service members as possible, um, 
you know, that's essentially what terrorists do. I can now use this heat map to find out when the best time of day is to go and, and go after some of these guys, um, where where to target some of these guys. And it's, um, you know, I'm not giving anything away that hasn't already been thought of. So don't don't worry about that. But um, that's the danger that this poses is that terrorists, criminals, robbers, thieves, kidnappers can start to map um, their targets and know when the best times to attack are. Um, so that's kind of the, the culmination of the, of the risk that's involved with Strava. Um, and then, Bob, do you want to talk a little bit too? So, so obviously we have these apps, but essentially I think the, the big story and what we want to touch on today and, and inform all of our listeners about is that this didn't have to happen. Um, Bob, do you want to talk a little bit about why it didn't have to happen? Yeah, I think a lot of these companies, a lot of these new technology companies, they are not often thinking about security in the forefront, right? It's not the first thing they think about. So the the default setting uh, when you download a lot of these products or leverage a lot of these things is essentially not low security, but no security. Uh, the default setting is kind of default open that you're going to be you know automatically revealing this information and, and, and sending it to the heat map like like in this case um uh, you know you could also take this analogy to social media a lot of social media products when you go to use them the default might be to share the information publicly you know from the default when you register an account uh, so that's something you really have to be concerned about and this is kind of i think where the cyber world meets the physical world in, in a lot of cases because uh, if you kind of understand that that default setting is to share all this information, then you, you, you somebody can understand that and see it and it can really jeopardize your OPSEC like, like Matt was talking about. So really didn't have to happen if the default setting was to basically secure the information and not send it to the cloud uh, unless the, the person, the user wanted to and specifically enabled it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think another another good point that you I think you started on, too, was that, um, you know, I think in, in this you can kind of go back to what we were talking about before about, you know, your everyday life and having your situational awareness about you um, in terms of trying to throw off the habits of if someone is watching your house and trying to break in, breaking up the patterns of, you know, leaving the car in the driveway, turning on outdoor lights, things like that. Um, I think what what we're trying to convey through this this podcast in general um, for the for the length of time that we do it is that um, what cyberspace is is the mirror of our physical lives um, so there's a lot of things that we do I think subconsciously that our culture our parents our friends our family have have told us hey when you you know when it's Christmas time, you know, you want to make some of these precautions. You want to make sure that you don't leave all your your presents, cardboard boxes out by the curb because people don't know what you have in the house. Um, and the idea is that we want to help folks understand that those same principles are the same in cyberspace, are the same on your social media accounts, on your email accounts, 
on your on your laptops and all your devices. It's the same thing, but we're trying to help you apply those same concepts um, in in the um, in the cyberspace world. So um, that's what this podcast is kind of aimed after. And uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on too is, you know, Bob, you mentioned about um, the companies having the default uh, the default basically being off the the privacy settings off, the security settings off. Why do you think that companies generally go that route as opposed to, you know, making it as locked down as possible from the get go? Uh, you know, I, I think there's a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, us actually, well, some of my role in the private sector has been a product manager, uh, and I can kind of see it from that lens now, where sometimes their focus is not necessarily security, right? Their focus is money. Their focus is profit. They're driven to release the next best and latest and greatest product. Uh, and they may think of security as not a, a primary concern and not even a secondary or tertiary concern. It's kind of at the bottom of the barrel. So that's, I think, one of the reasons they don't often put that in the forefront. And so another reason is, you know, the, this was probably part of their uh, model, part of their business model. Their business model was, we're going to differentiate ourselves from other fitness trackers by showing a heat map and, and being this social component or right? having that social piece to their to their offering. And, uh, you know, that's what they wanted to, they, if they were signing up new users, they wanted them to actually use that feature because it was part of what they were advertising. So I think that's probably some organizations that have had concerns about protecting privacy right privacy rights organizations have been always very concerned about the government collecting data on, on u.s citizens and misusing it which is absolutely a concern and should be monitored and it is and you have most of the intel agencies are monitored and they're audited by all branches of the government they have kind of oversight from the judicial the executive and the legislative branch um, there's a lot of rules and regulations, and people go to jail all the time for you know breaking them. Uh, but you know these these technology companies don't have that. There's no oversight, and it's a, it's a little bit of the wild west out there. And you're starting to see this a lot with Facebook. You know, Facebook is getting criticized for what happened in the 2016 elections um, and how they were not so quick to catch some misuse on their platform uh, that was going on that were linked to to Russian bots or Russian actors. Um, even Twitter has had a lot of criticism or there's been a lot of discussion around accounts that are linked to jihadism on their on their uh, service. So there's not really a lot of regulation and oversight in these companies. You know, they're private companies. Um, they really resist regulation from the government, as, as many private companies do. Um, but they really have a huge uh, pot of very valuable information that they collect on us, you know, from social media or you have things like Strava. And I, I think you need to think about that, you know, when you not to say that you shouldn't use these services, but when you do, you know, think about what their intentions are, think about what their motivations are, think about their business model. And then, you know, think about how you're going to protect that information you're sending there. You know, I use all these things, too. I'm sure Matt does, too. Uh, you know, but I, I'm, I'm very conscious about how I use it and what I send there. So that's just some thoughts when you're kind of thinking about the big picture of this whole situation. Right, and and don't don't worry. We're going to get to some practical application, so you can so you can figure out how to apply some of this in your life. But to touch on what Bob said, yeah, I, I completely agree. With great power comes res great responsibility, right? Um, Just like Spider Man you know, said that. Right? Yeah, there you go. Um, we're Spider Man now. Um, no, but I mean, when you think about banks, right? Banks hold our value, right? They hold our value in mo in money. 
Um, but now we've got social media companies and we've got all sorts of other different um, tech companies that are holding our value and in information. And they're using that to make money, um, which uh, you can argue the, the right and the wrong of that. But I think what we're getting at here is that we think that there needs to be some responsibility um, in those companies. And I think I'll give Facebook a lot of credit um, because they realize that that you folks out there, the listeners, I think I think there's a lot of companies that are still in the age of leaving you in the dark. And I think the lights are slowly coming on and not to say that you are weren't paying attention, but there's technology can be confusing, especially if if somebody doesn't spell it out for you when you've when you got your life to live. And I, I give Facebook credit. I give Google credit in the sense that they've they sense that and it's they're, you know, doing the prompting. They're, they're prompting you to do a privacy check. They're prompting you to do a security check so that you understand what information you're putting into their platform and what goes out to the public. Um, so I think that might be that might be actually a good a good intro, a good segue to our next portion, which is basically um, what you can do about it. Um, so we've presented a problem. We've presented some risks and and who might care and what situations. So obviously we talked about service members and Intel folks that are stationed abroad. Basically anybody abroad, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of those folks, but if you're somebody in a place that fitness trackers and people using Strava isn't a common sight and all of a sudden now there's people using Strava and, and running and biking and in, in the uh, in the remote regions of a, of a South American country that doesn't normally see that kind of technology, that's that's where um, that's where you start to have a threat, right? That's why you at least have to have a risk for the person using it. So that's one group. And then again, I think we touched a little bit on on the home users, if you will. So um, the parents, the the maybe this the single parents, the single mothers that are out there that you know, if you go and take a run every morning from five to six o'clock in the morning, um, that's an hour of time that someone might be able to map out number one where where your route is, but also um, that you're not home uh, and can either use it to target you personally for whatever awful reason that they want to or to burglarize your home. So um, those are some some quick risks and, and who might care about. But I think now we need to get into a little bit of solution time, right? Um, so um, first, I think we want to talk a little bit about we're going to get to get to the users, get to get to you folks, the practical folks out there. But I think, Bob, you wanted to talk a little bit about um, not only what the social media companies can do, but we can take a look at really what uh, the government's doing right now to help protect some of their own personnel, some of their own, some of the service members, our uh, fellow brothers and sisters that are still out there that uh, have to protect their neck every day. So I, I think they're going to go under a pretty lengthy review of, 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 of these items and, and how they improve their, their OPSEC. But, uh, you know, from, from a cyber standpoint, I think one of the biggest things they do is, well, first, training is really one of the biggest things, right, is, is awareness and training. And that's pretty evident in the military, in law enforcement, in intel. They kind of make you aware of the risk and what not to share. I mean, I remember going through training of when you travel to a different country, you know, where stay in a hotel room that's above the third floor. Uh, you know, ma you make sure you wear clothes that are not, you know, very obvious to show that you're a tourist and, you know, this kind of thing. Um, so that is one of the big things they do. Uh, one, another component is they're very big on 
I think access management is, is a huge emphasis from a cyber standpoint. So what they try to do is create multi-factor authentication. So having a password and then also having a card, um, you know, an ID card or, or some or biometric uh, type of authentication. Uh, and then encrypting, encrypting that traffic is, is always very big. So um, usually what we call this in the field is called defense in depth. So, you know, you, you, could, you always think that nothing is 100% secure. If you have a very uh, aggressive adversary, they will be able to go after you. Uh, but just, you know, for the regular person, you know, having a defense in depth methodology and just making it as hard as possible for the adversary to get in is, is actually your best practice, right? So being aware and looking for those vulnerabilities and reacting when you see them creating things and setting up two-factor authentication, creating encryption when you can, being aware, you know, the awareness component of what you're sending where is very, very big. So, you know, those are all things that I think people in the military are just kind of revamping right now. And I think they're doing kind of an overview or a report on what are the implications of this particular event. Yeah, absolutely. And so before I kind of, before I, I, um, I relate that to our audience who who might not be in the military and might not have that oversight. I want to I want to hit on one thing that you mentioned that I absolutely love is is the defense in depth concept. And we're going to mention this throughout I, th- I think the rest of our podcasts. But this is an extremely important point that Bob touched on. I mean, if you go through the history of humanity, right, there has never been a one hundred percent security solution, right? People built castles with giant walls. Well, people started to figure out how to get through those walls, right? Okay, well, they built bigger doors. Well, then they started getting through the doors. Well, then they built moats, and then they built scouts, and they built lookout posts, right? So as you go on, there's you're always going to run into new threats. But the fundamentals of security, of understanding what is important for you to protect, um, and then the degree to which you want to protect it, is kind of a, a fundamental thing that we're trying to tell you folks out there. Because as much as people are going to hawk new technology at you, eventually someone's going to find a better way around it. Technology, as 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 uh, as said in Jurassic Park, life finds a way, and and so do threats and technology. So, um, a very important point. But um, to to take what to take what Bob said, I think I think a lot of the frustration that that I've run into during a lot of the interviews that we've conducted with small business owners and and parents and families and. And, and other professionals out there is that it's hard to find out the totality. It's hard to find out a good, solid, comprehensive list of all the privacy and all the security settings that are available to you on the devices that you own and the accounts that you own. And I think that's what a lot of people want. And that's what I mentioned before. That's what Google keyed in on. That's what Facebook keyed in on. To give to show people the options that they have to protect themselves in in aggregate, so that they can they can choose what's right for them. And so let's we're going to talk about that a little bit right now. What can you do to protect yourself if you want to use Strava and not be targeted for for whatever reason that's germane to you? Okay, now that we've we've given you uh, some information about who should be worried about it, what situations might you might encounter where putting this information out there could harm you could could you know possibly put you at risk we want to give you the resource and some of the other some of the resources that we know about um and some of the some of the tools that we use um and know that are available um out there for you to protect yourself so first i'm going to talk about um 
the, uh, the features that Strava does make available to you. They might not make it apparent when you sign up for the account, which is, which is part of what we're trying to, uh, trying to fix for you here right now. But what uh, they do have is, a, is a, a URL that walks through all these different privacy settings. So um, to get that URL, check out, um, we're gonna tweet that at uh, our Twitter handle, which is at keepcalmcyber. Uh, so check that out. We'll post the URL there and uh, as well as I'm going to put it on our uh, enabled website enabldsecurity.com slash learn uh, and we're going to create a Strava cheat sheet for you so that you can check out, check that out as well. But um, so the privacy settings that they do have available for you, we're going to walk through here real quick. Not real quick, but we're going to walk through them for you so you understand what's available to you and and, and when it might be a, a you know, might apply to your life. So the first one is they have what's called enhanced privacy mode. Um, and what it says here is enabling enhanced privacy allows you to manage who can follow you and see certain details about your activities. Pretty vague. Um, but what it does hide is it hides, um, basically it hides your personal details from the greater public of the Strava community because anybody can create a Strava account and, and start to find people on there. Um, it hides what clubs you belong to. We talked about the group activities involved in Strava. Um, it, uh, let's see, it uh, hides some of your activities that you do, so your, your workouts, which is, is what we're looking at, and also does things like hide what kind of gear you use, um, which might not be extremely important when it comes to if you use a Fitbit over a Garmin, which um, I'm not exactly sure. I know they have to have that information um, so that they can interact with your device the right way, but I don't know if that's publicly available. What, But what is sometimes publicly available, this is for the cyclists out there, is what type of bike you ride. Uh, there have been reports in the past prior to this uh, situation where um, folks have been robbed of their very expensive bicycles while out on their uh, while out on their rides. So that's something to consider as well. So that is the first uh, security feature that uh, that they do offer. Um, this is a very interesting one. Um, they do have one called training log sharing, um, and that is something that you can explore. Um, Again, it allows you basically two options, everyone and nobody. So you're going to have to go through and see if that's right for you. Um, I, I don't know everyone's fitness habits, but, but check that out if you use Strava. I think one of the best things that they have here is what's called privacy zones. Um, so what a privacy zone is, is that you, uh, from what their description says, it sounds like you basically um, pick a radius uh, that you're operating in so that if you're in that certain area, it will essentially obfuscate or um, it won't necessarily show your specific activity within that zone, uh, which again can be very good if you, again, if you're a single parent or if you're home alone and you need to go out for a ride uh, or go out for a run, you might want to enable that privacy zone when you're, when you're in, a, in a vulnerable situation like that. Um, again, you're going to be able to peruse all these, but we want to hit on some of the main ones here that we think are going to be uh, of value to you. So for those out there that are the service members, that are the folks that are abroad, that are, are worried about this heat map, this aggregation of different routes that might allow someone to figure out where people are in the world, um, you can actually opt out of submitting that data to Strava. Um, 
So it's called the Strava Metro and Heat Map opt-out uh, is, the, is the function. And this is all available within uh, the privacy settings of Strava under your, under your settings in your Strava account. Again, we'll show you how to do all this. We'll post the URL on our Twitter account at Keep Calm Cyber um, and as well as our webpage. But um, the idea here is that you could still track all the activity that you want to, keep it personal, um, share it with a community that you're comfortable with, but Strava now doesn't have the ability to use that data to aggregate it and create this graphic map of where uh, activity is common. Uh, which again, this is this gets right to the point that we're that we're addressing that that brought this news issue up to begin with. So, um, and there are um, also more granular controls in terms of who you allow to follow you and and who you need to block for whatever reason because again and, and you'll hear this when we talk about other social media platforms is that there are people out there um, and there are what we call bots out there automated machines and, and algorithms that will go out and just try to befriend you for a whole host of different reasons to use you to spread spam to spread malware um, or in this case to possibly physically attack you so um so they do make these available, and the issue is, is is getting this word out so that you're aware when you uh, engage in, in kind of this activity sharing um, endeavor that you know what you're getting yourself into and you know what data you're putting out there to the rest of the world. So that's uh, that's what we want want you to walk away with. Um, Bob, is there any, any other considerations that they might want to think about when using maybe when using something like Strava or doesn't necessarily have to be Strava itself, but maybe a fitness tracking device? Yeah, I think one of the very basic things you should look at really all apps, but especially apps like these, are when your app is using cellular data um, and, and actually broadcasting that data, you'd be surprised. Um, you know, I've seen apps that are like flashlights that for some reason want to access cellular data. You know, why does a flashlight app need that? Um, and, and you have these apps that you, if you do want more privacy or, you know, Matt gave the great example of, a, you know, maybe a female that has a, a former abusive partner that, you know, they don't want to know the location when they're alone. You know, that may be something you want to turn off. Um, that could be not only on a fitness tracker app, but even like social media apps or dating apps that you don't want that information broadcasted because you know it's going to get out there. So the one of the best things to do is at that point, you want that privacy to just shut the cellular data off on your phone. I know on the iPhone, there is a special section. You can go through each app and, and shut the cellular data off. And you could also choose the option for broadcasting GPS or not. So just kind of going into the app in the, in the settings and being aware of what it's using and examining that is, is really, really important, especially on fitness apps and social media apps. You know, Strava is both. <laughs> yeah, no, Bobby, you bring up, a, I think you bring up a good point that applies to, it doesn't apply just to, just to this situation, but helping, helping our listeners out there understand that, um, again, this kind of goes back to that defense in depth model where, um, you can control security and privacy at the application level, at the app level, which is what kind of what we've discussed and honed in on today because we're specifically discussing Strava. But you also can look at the devices that you use and locking that down. So like Bob said, if we don't recommend this, but if you don't really want to go through all those settings or you forget to or whatever the case is, let's say you this 
this all this information sounds great to you and you want to implement it, but something happens, you fall asleep and you wake up the next morning and you need to go for your run and you want to track it. You can still go in and modify some of the geolocational data um, within your devices. Uh, and again, control it through your, your device's operating system. So Android has the application manager. I don't have an iPhone, but I know they have a similar setting in there, but you can figure out which ones broadcast your GPS signal, and which ones don't. Um, so that's also something to keep in mind. Um, but again, that gets a little bit more on the technical side of things. Um, I think the significance of this, of this Strava event uh, for most folks out there is that it's, 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 it's publicly available. You can Google this, you can create a Strava account and bring it up right away. So there's not really any hacking that needs to be done here, um, I th which I think is the significant piece of this. But um, yeah, that's great. Um, so I want to um, segue into our next segment, um, which we're not actually going to do, but I want to tell you uh, what it is uh, because we're going to hopefully get some input from you all out there about what you want to hear about. So our next segment is and is going to be um, basically we're calling it a mailbag. I don't think we've come up with a good term for it. I'm Bob. I'm open to your suggestions right now. I have it's called ask a cyber nerd. I don't know if you have any other. <laughs> that works. <laughs> I, uh, I fully embrace. I'm a huge Star Wars and Star Trek fan. So I, I will embrace the nerd moniker. Yeah, let's uh, I like it. Yeah, I think people can uh, best way to get us is Twitter. If you t t send a tweet to our account, um, you know, we can answer some of your questions. You know, the whole purpose of this is to try to explain some challenging technical concepts to everybody, right? You know, we kind of thought, how could we explain this to our mom, you know, and, uh, and and make it relevant to people? So, you know, absolutely send us questions. I think Twitter is a, is a great way to do that. Yep. So check out at Keep Calm Cyber on Twitter um, and send us some questions. Um, again, no question too big or too small. Um, I had someone, a, a really good, uh, a really good mentor of mine today. Um, Angela called herself a. Uh, actually, I probably shouldn't say because it, it might offend people. But the point is, is that she called herself a derogatory term because she wasn't that technical. Mm -hmm. And the point of this podcast is, is that you've got to live your life, right? You don't have time to get into. That. I mean. Everybody has to file taxes, but it's not like everyone has gone out and gotten their CPA. Not everybody's become an accountant because they have to do taxes. They rely on accountants to do that for them. So, we want to be your, you know, your H and R block. We want us, we want you to ask us questions um, because this is about, really, this is about defending America, um, and it's about defending everybody else too. If there's other folks on the other end of the world that are listening to this, which means we're doing a good job, I guess. But, um, you know, I think all of us are under attack and, and we don't always realize it. Um, and the, the purpose of this podcast is to give you the tools to defend yourself. So um, and if we're not complete, you know, communicating with you the right way or not answering your questions, we're doing it wrong. So so put us on the right track and make sure that we're, we're touching on the things that you guys care about. So and by the way, we use guys as a as a uh, gender neutral term. So. That's what we've got for you. So um, we want to thank you for joining our first podcast um, of uh, Keep Calm and Cyber On. Um, Bob, you want to, any parting words for our for our listeners? Yeah, just uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to, to more podcasts. And if you guys have any suggestions for guests, we'd be happy to take those too uh, and look forward to uh, doing this again. Awesome. 
Thanks, Bob. Thanks, everyone.